for me, mermaid seems like a much more obvious um, figure to connect with because of the human elements, because she's half human. And when I first started making the film, I was really like one of my big questions is why mermaids? Why for thousands of years have we collectively as humans all over the world dreamed of mermaids and why do we connect to them so much now still? It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Mermaid Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Von Holt, the fairy boss mother of Cinderly. Hey, mermaids, there are a few exciting things happening for the podcast that I want to make sure you know about. As you know, we have new episodes every two weeks. And on the weeks when we don't have a new episode, I do a live stream on Facebook and Instagram that I call Pod Talk. It's where I talk about the behind the scenes of the podcast, my favorite parts of the latest interview, and anything else you might want to chat about. We've been having a lot of fun with it and having some great conversations about mermaid names, sea villains, and all things mermaid. I hope you will follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast, and you can find the links to those profiles in the episode description and in the show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. Second, because it's October, that means it's Halloween. In keeping with all things paranormal, we want to know if you have ever had a close encounter with a real mermaid. Have you ever been scuba diving in a sea cave and come across a mysterious sea creature? Or have you been on a boat and swore you saw a mermaid playing in the waves? Have you met the guardian water spirit of a tropical waterfall? We want to hear all about your close encounters with real mermaids, and then we'll gather these stories and play them at the end of October. You can leave a voicemail for us in the number that's in the show description, or email us your story at podcast at cinderly.com. And I think this is obvious, but if you send us your story, you're also giving us permission to include it. And now, this is Episode 7, where I interview Allie Weinstein, the director of a feature documentary titled Mermaids. It's a gorgeous film, and I was so lucky to see a screening. A feature documentary about the powerful allure of a universal myth, Mermaids immerses audiences in a world where fantasies come to life. Following the stories of five extraordinary tale-donning women who are part of a growing mermaiding subculture, audiences voyage between mermaid theme parks, conventions, tale-making studios, and deep into the ocean where transforming into the empowered icon of the mermaid is possible. I'm so excited for you to meet Allie, and here's our interview. My name is Allie Weinstein, and this year I directed a documentary called Mermaids, and it's about people who feel very connected to the icon of the mermaid and wear tails professionally or as a hobby. Yay! Um, well, I got to watch it um, just last night, and I actually watched it twice, um, and it's beautiful, so congratulations. <laughs> Um, and I, so I found you because I was stalking mermaids on Instagram, um, and I came across your account and I was really excited to see that there was, um, a real documentary on mermaids and mermaid culture, um, because I had only known about the animal planet, (laughs) fake mockumentary. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I wanted to hear from you because the film is so beautiful, but it's not out for wide distribution. Is that right? It currently has distribution in Canada because okay. we're Canadian filmmakers. Okay. Um, but we're negotiating with a distribution company in the U.S. right now. And so we are really, really hoping to get it out there, get it online. But that's all to come. Yeah. We'll be okay. announcing all that kind of stuff on social media. So people should go follow you right now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I want to hear from you a little bit. The film follows several several people on their mermaid journey in, in their mermaid life. Um, I wanted to hear from you, first of all, how did the idea for the movie come about? Um, and then how did you find these cool mermaids? <laughs> Um, well, I was obsessed with mermaids when I was a kid, and I was obsessed with Splash, with Daryl Hannah, and The Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, it's the best movie. I watched it recently for the first time in a long time, and I couldn't believe how well it stood up. Like, it's such a funny movie. It holds up so well. It's still so funny. The structure is so tight, and everybody is so good. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I loved it, again, as an adult. Um, and then I became a synchronized swimmer and I was a competitive synchronized swimmer through much of my teenage years. And so I think I was always just, yeah, it's a really cool sport. And I think I was always just really attached to the water and how good it made me feel and how I felt so much more comfortable with my body and myself when I was in the water, which seems crazy because you're half naked in the water and you're exposed. <laughs> but there's something it does to you psychologically that is just so empowering. And so uh, that was sort of it for me. Like, I never really thought about wearing a tail. I never, I kind of left synchronized swimming as an adult. But then just a few years ago, I read an article about Wachi, the mermaid theme park in Florida that's been around since 1947. I read interviews with some of the women there who still work there and some of the older women who used to work there. And what really, really struck me was how much across the board these women talked about their jobs at Wachi as if it were this the highlight of their lives really like they couldn't match this experience and I just started thinking like what does it mean to put on a tail and to get to embody this icon which is such a universally loved figure and what does she symbolize like beauty and strength and freedom and I just got really deep into this like internet search about what the mermaid is and, and who's that there who's out there like wanting to be a mermaid and then I discovered this whole subculture of people like there's tons of people who yeah. will go out yeah, yeah. and spend lots of money on a custom-made tail and it kind of just spiraled out from there um in terms of that initial catalyst for the film yeah I was um I was really glad you caught Vicky from Wikiwachi because I went to mermaid camp and the first episode of this podcast was interviewing different mermaids. And I was like, she's got such a cool story. Like somebody has to um, catch her on film. So I was so excited when you had a lengthy interview with her and, and footage of her swimming. Yeah, no, she's a, she's a star. It's interesting. It's like when you're making documentaries, mm -hmm. there's some people out there in the world who are just regular everyday people, but they're meant to be in a film. Like they have star <laughs> power and she has star power for sure. Totally. Did she give you any stories <laughs> off the camera? Because like in between mermaid camp, she would be like telling us about time she snuck in and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she told us a few things that she said was off the record, but it was, like, totally while we were recording, and she was sort of, like, I feel like she's being cheeky. I feel like we could have maybe used it if we wanted to, but it was a bit irrelevant to the story of the film, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so... 
so you found some people to interview and did you have more that ended up in the film and how did you how did you how did you find them and then how did you narrow it down yeah that's an excellent question um so after i learned about this mermaid like just how big mermaiding was um I got a friend of mine who I went to film school with to be my producer, Caitlin Durlach, and she and I went to uh, Murfest together in January 2015. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. our intention there was to meet people, to figure out what this community was all about, and see if we could find anyone who wanted to be in the film, and also who we thought had like a particularly interesting story to tell. Yeah. So yeah. that weekend, we we did these short little interviews mm-hmm. with people at school, and it was amazing to us, first of all, how welcoming everyone was. Like, immediately, they were just so welcoming. And, and and also, so many people had these really fascinating stories. And it wasn't everyone, but we did find that a lot of people had something in their lives that was maybe a bit dark or even sometimes traumatic mm-hmm. that was the catalyst for their first time putting on a tail. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's a generalization, but we did hear of it a lot Mm -hmm. and so that wound up being something that we wanted to tell in the film that that mermaiding offered this alternate sort of way of dealing with with Mm -hmm. life problems you know Mm -hmm. yeah so um so yeah in terms of choosing characters it was tricky because we met so many awesome people yeah but we definitely, yeah, we definitely wanted to try to hit different notes so we were really really lucky to meet Jules um and she quickly talked to us about her transition and what mermaiding meant to her in terms of her transition and mm-hmm. feeling comfortable with her body. Mm-hmm. And that, we really wanted to include that story because there is, you know, like a pretty large subgroup of trans people within the mermaid community. I was really glad yeah. that you included that too because I've known that it's on the edges but not the main focus of like all of the main media articles about mermaiding. Um, so I was really glad that you right. included her. Yeah. Yeah, well, early on in my research, I learned about Jazz Girl, of course. Like, she's a huge figure in the mermaid community. I actually reached out to her a few times, but never heard back, which is okay. <laughs> it happens, it happens. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, she's really busy with her show and all yeah. this kind of stuff, but um, it just was an interesting thing to me, and as we went along, we kept meeting people who would say, like, I know a trans person who's really, really connected with mermaids, and it's just an interesting symbology there so Mm -hmm. I was happy to be able to include that for sure yeah that was awesome um I also enjoyed um that you had the unique pairing of Rachel and her mom whose name escapes me um Lori Lori um and that there was like a mother I mean I think a mother-daughter pairing is always um sweet and sentimental um but the but to see one of the things that I also loved about mermaids is seeing um that it's uh multi-generational um, yeah. And so getting to see a daughter and her mother um, be in the ocean together was really yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And their connection is just beautiful. I, again, when Caitlin and I met them for the first time, it was just stunning. Like, I think I have a good relationship with my mom. But yeah. the idea yeah. of just those two do so much together. They're so cute and connected. Yeah. And to yeah. share something like this hobby and this passion mm-hmm. is just really sweet. Yeah, that was really nice. And then also, I'm just trying to run down the characters so people know. So we yeah. also have um, we have Jules, we have Rachel and Lori, we have the Weeky Watchy Mermaids, always a, f- yeah. a crowd favorite. Um, yeah. 
And then, wait, who else do we have? I'm missing... Cookie and Ralph. Cookie and Ralph. Oh, my God. That couple, I mean, speaking of connection and pairing, you know, um, they're such characters, and and they have a beautiful love story, I think, of this... Well, she calls him her mer creator, and he makes her tales and takes her around and everything. Um, so, what yeah. was it? What was it like talking to them? Because you went from you know beautiful locations in Hawaii to yeah. Harlem, <laughs> which has its own I charm. Know. I know it's definitely. We were like in Florida, California, yeah. Hawaii, and then Harlem. It just it does it seems like the epicenter for sure. Right. Um, they but. were fantastic. We met them on the first day of Murfest, and right away they invited us to their wedding. It was the next day at Murfest in a pool, and they were like, You guys have to come and you have to film it. And it was just so like they were the most welcoming of all. And then to see them get married in a pool, it was like, How can we not include this in the film? Totally. Yeah. And then they're such characters. Mm -hmm. They're such, both of them are just such characters. And that, like you said, their love story is so strong and so real. And I think for all of us, when we decided to go to New York and film them, me and Caitlin and then our cinematographer and our sound person, being in that room with both, we did separate interviews with Ralph and with Cookie, and when they talked about, they were talking separately about some of Cookie's struggles and then also their, their connection together as a couple. And I think all of us were just in tears while the interview was happening. Um, It was really strong and really real. And I think it was, even when I watch the film now, the time that I kind of tear up is when Ralph is talking about, I don't want to give too much away, but but, but I find it really powerful. And so so it was really, yeah, it was an honor to have them share their story with us. Yeah, they are definitely, um, because I I think they, present a different part of the story like when you see the mermaids in the dive bar you're like okay i understand that i can you know i can see like why it's attractive or makes money for a bar it would be fun yeah. to have that job you know and wiki watchy too has its own kitsch um but then when you see like a couple that has gone through a lot together and like what mermaiding um brings to their relationship like it's just really um just so sweet <laughs> Totally. Yeah. and i mean one thing too with making this film for me it was really important to try to okay I'm trying to think about how to word this I when I was making the film and talking about it with people like I would go to parties and someone would say what are you working on and I would say I'm working on this mermaid documentary about people who wear mermaid tails and a lot of the time people would say like oh are they crazy and I'm like no they're not crazy and and it was really important for me um to try to create a film where even people who might walk in thinking this is like a weird kind of a freaky thing that people do, that they would by the end of the film not only understand it, but also maybe feel like they could totally relate to the right. stories being told. And so with all of them, but I think Cookie and Ralph are a good example, it's like there's a, there is a love story there mm-hmm. and the connection that they have and what Ralph is doing for Cookie. It's like, it doesn't matter whether it's a mermaid tale or something else that someone wants to do in their lives, mm-hmm. some other fashion. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a pretty universal love story. And so I think yeah. that universality was important. Yeah, I think you did a good job of that, too, because I can definitely see, um, you know, just having a mermaid podcast, people are like, there's people that do this. And I'm like, yeah, it's their job, but it's also, yeah. you know, their hobby and their passion. And I, 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 yeah. I'm glad that you portrayed the community um, as a group of individuals who have something in common. And all of it comes back to, like, a love for the water, a love for, for mermaiding. But then also, like, there's a personal power for each of them, um, which yeah. I think... 
it's, I think is more than you get from, you know, a hobby of, I don't want to say, I don't want to degrade anybody as hobby, but it's not the same as, um, you know, golf. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. there's a okay. there's a real personal investment and and um I, I kept having the word transcendence come to mind as I was watching it um that they're healing or they're transcending their personal circumstances or personal tragedies um and yeah. and kind of just transcending even I think their idea of themselves um they yeah. kept talking about how strong they were in the water um how strong they felt in their tail um, and it was like it was just so lovely to see um, the heart of yeah. what it meant to each well, of them. Yeah, I mean that's such a beautiful interpretation. I really love that you took that from the film. Um, when I first started the film, I was really focusing on the word transformation and and what it does to put on the tail psychologically. Um, but I love the word transcendence. I think that's fantastic. Well, you feel free to use it in your marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the other part that I loved is, uh, you know, of course people come to mermaiding because there is such a strong history of myth and folklore. Um, and so I love that there are bits throughout the film, um, speaking of different, um, myths, um, around the world. Um, did you, did you get to travel beyond like the continental, like the North American continent? Um, or do you have plans for like further out in the world? That's a good question. Um, when we first conceived of the film, those myth sections, I really, really wanted to film them in the countries where the myths come from. Like, I planned this whole shoot in Haiti, for example, because in Haiti, in voodoo, there's this um, spirit of the sea named La Sirene, and she's depicted as a mermaid, and she's a really interesting figure. But for different reasons, mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I think for the best, it wasn't possible. I mean, budget reasons, obviously, mm -hmm. but also the film. I mean, when you're making a documentary like this that's about mermaids, and mermaids are, there's so many stories to tell, you have to hone it in, and you have to have a focus. Otherwise, I think the audience would feel like they're being jerked around too much. Um, so I think we it was a bit of an effort to try to find a sweet spot in terms of how to tell those myth stories. Yeah. But it was, it was really important to me to try to tell just a few. I mean, we could have chosen from hundreds of stories that were made from around the world. There's just so many in every single culture. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but we chose five, and we just wanted to have them as sort of like interstitials where the audience could sort of breathe, so to speak, and just sit back and watch this really beautiful, lush, underwater cinematography and hear that these people who are so obsessed with mermaids are not, this is not necessarily like a trend. This is something harking back to hundreds of years ago where, you know, humans have always been fascinated with the water and fascinated with mythical depictions of a human figure in the water. And so, yeah, it was an effort to try to do that. And so what are your plans for after this documentary? Are you going to make anything else with mermaids? Um, I ha while I was making the documentary, I told myself that I would go on to do maybe like a web series or something like that because there were so many mermaid myths that we didn't get to touch upon in the film that I'm so fascinated by. And I was sort of conceiving of this series where you just have these little stories of myths from around the world. But now that the film is over and we've been traveling to festivals <laughs> and we've been talking about it, I... I feel as if maybe I'm done with mermaids for the next little while. So we'll see. Maybe I'll come. Yeah. That's maybe understandable. I'll come back yeah. If you want to take a break. <laughs> 
Exciting news, mermaids! We here at Cinderly have just launched our new mermaid game called Mermaid Sequest. And we also have new mermaid stickers for the iPhone. So when you text your pod an iMessage, you can send them sparkling mermaids with heart eyes. Both of these things are free. And to get them, all you have to do is search Mermaid Sequest in the App Store or go to mermaidpodcast.com and the link to download it will be in our show notes. Yay! So that's a good segue into what was the journey of the film? You know, how did it go from conception to production to screening? So I had this idea for the film and I pitched it to a Toronto filmmaker who's been making documentaries for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he thought that it would be very marketable. He thought that we could try to get some funding here in Canada for it. And so he came on as my executive producer. And that was actually fantastic for me because this is my first film. And it's hard to believe in your film when you've been, you know, like it's a very, very long process to make a documentary. And so you have to have so much faith in the story that you're trying to tell that other people will be interested. So to have this experienced filmmaker say, yes, this is valid and people will be interested, that gave me a lot of confidence. And then I started pitching it for development funds here in Canada. I got my friend to come on board as my producer and it was her, we were both first time filmmakers, but it was fantastic because I think we both were just so passionate about the, the, the story and the themes of it that we kind of like just worked our asses off. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so we met all these people, we got, you know, development funding, which allowed us to go to Murfest. Mm-hmm. We met all these people we kind of did a lot of writing to try to hone what this story would be. And then, and then we went and shot with um, Cookie and Ralph in New York with the Week You Watch Mermaids in Florida and, um, you know, Jules and Rachel and Lori in California. And then we also went to Hawaii and we shot, we did some shooting with some other people and unfortunately it just was too much for the film. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, we, Lori and Rachel actually happened to be in Hawaii when we were in Hawaii. So we got them to meet us and we did all this underwater filming with them there. And so Rachel, we have all this beautiful footage of Rachel underwater and she's such a good swimmer. And so she, she's actually that amazing, mysterious mermaid in all the myth sections. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. love seeing her um, in the water. That was really powerful. And and I grew up on the Big Island, so I could tell where you guys were shooting. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, and I was like, next time I go home, I got to wear my tail there. Because it's hard to find a calm bay where you can yeah. go deep um, and not be, like, you know, slammed by waves. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so cool that you grew up on the Big Island. Yeah. It's so beautiful there. It's so beautiful and so unique and so varied in um, – in the geography. Um, and I'm surprised that more things aren't shot there because it's so beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I was really excited when I saw those, those shots of her swimming in Kona. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just realized as you were speaking that this is your first film and it also involves underwater photography and filmmaking, which is, um, hard. (laughs) 
Yeah. So how did that go for you? It was good. I mean, we definitely took some risks, but it was good. Um, we worked, like I said, with Allie and Jim Ward. They actually shot some video for us, and they were fantastic. They're free divers, and so they like they can hold their breath for so long. Yeah. And so we never actually used any scuba equipment when we were shooting underwater. It was all just breath hold, which is incredible. And then our main cinematographer who worked throughout the rest of the film, Catherine Lutz, she's a Canadian cinematographer. She was amazing. She's just, she's a water baby too. Like she loves swimming. And so we bought this underwater housing for a, for a DSLR camera and she had never used it before, but she just practiced with it. And we got to Hawaii and she was just shooting and practicing and she was fantastic. Like she did, she captured so much uh, like beautiful, mysterious, moody underwater stuff. She was just a natural with underwater. Yeah. It's really, I I mean, I could sound easy, but (laughs) (laughs) But, but we were just very lucky. Yeah. It sounds like you had, you were surrounded by uh, very good people who are equally as passionate about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you make, you go to Hawaii, you go to California, you go to Florida, you make the film, then what? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I mean, part of making a film is like part of the really hard part is just getting it out there afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a lot of time trying to like applying to festivals and we, you know, you have to do festival strategy and like, it would have been amazing just to immediately show it in a small festival in Florida or California. But the problem is bigger festivals won't won't take your film if it's already had a world premiere. So we had to wait and find the right one. And then we were really, really honored to be shown at hot docs here in Toronto in May of last year or May of 2017, because hot docs is basically the world's biggest documentary festival. And yeah, and we're really lucky to have it here in Toronto where Caitlin and I both live. And so it was, it felt like Christmas. Like I love going to hot docs every year. I'm obsessed with documentaries and to have the film premiere there was amazing. And then the festival was able to help us bring cookie and Ralph up for the premiere. Well, they, they felt like movie stars because we hired like a publicist, which a lot, a lot of films when they have their premiere there, they hire a publicist. And so we had all these interviews lined up here in Toronto and Cookie was just like on fire. (laughs) She was amazing with the media. (laughs) She was incredible. And it was just, it was such a nice experience. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've been, we've been actively applying to a lot of other festivals. It's gone a few places around Canada, um, we're going to be showing the film in Warsaw, Poland next month. Oh, they're a big uh, mermaid city. They have yeah, a big totally. mermaid statue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, we're continuing to apply to festivals. Our next main goal is to get it into a festival in Florida and in California, either in San Francisco or LA, because we desperately want to show it on the big screen with our, the, the mermaids featured in the film so they can invite their family and friends and see it yeah. in a theater. Yeah. So those are our goals right now. Okay. So and as I said earlier, just to, to sign a distribution deal with a, with a distributor so that it can wind up on online platforms, like hopefully Netflix. I mean, obviously Netflix should, <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously I need to be able to watch on like repeat. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's just funny because, like, as we were making the film, Mermaids just blew up. Like, it, you know, it's weird how sometimes there's just sort of something in the air. Yeah. And when I started making Mermaids, I didn't even know that it was a big trend. 
Yeah. And it just got bigger and bigger. Yeah, it is definitely. I, I think it's definitely on the rise. I think you're right. There's something in the air. Um, I like. I've also liked them. Um, and I've started writing romances about them. And then I was like, oh, I'll have a podcast, right? And people are like, oh, are mermaids the new vampires? And I'm like, mm, I think I think it's deeper because they've been around longer in mythology yeah. and culture. But I think you and I are both ahead of the curve <laughs> with like, <laughs> mermaid media. <laughs> Just to say, totally. <laughs> so people are gonna have to come so, to us. <laughs> I, I, I think that unicorns are the next big thing. I I think I don't know actually. <laughs> I like I'm I'm gonna disagree, but this, I would be happy to have like okay. a TED talk debate about <laughs> unicorns versus mermaids. <laughs> um, but no, but I because I think that like unicorns are fun, and there's a bunch of like unicorn food trends and that kind of thing, and people are like, oh, I'm a unicorn, but I have not seen people identify as strongly with yeah. unicorns as with mermaids and like you said like it's all tied to something more personal like um maybe they're yeah. overcoming personal trauma or you know some sort of personal history but it's way yeah. deeper than just being like i'm gonna wear a horn and have some rainbow makeup you know yeah yeah um yeah. so well, I, I, th- I think we're right <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i totally agree with you like i don't maybe one day I'll understand once I, if I ever research the, mer- the unicorn thing a bit more or whatever. But like for me, mermaid seems like a much more obvious um, figure to connect with because of the human elements, because she's half human. And when I first started making the film, I was really like, one of my big questions is why mermaids? Why for thousands of years have we, collectively as humans all over the world dreamed of mermaids and why do we connect to them so much now still and I don't know that I ever came to a real answer because it's a big question but I really believe that like one place my mind has gone after working on this film for so long is that the mermaid is this dual figure where she's depicted so often as free and strong and beautiful and independent but a lot of the mythologies show her being sad and lonely at times and having unrequited love and yearning for a different world. And so I think for us as humans who we can, we can connect to that human suffering that she shows, but we also aspire to be as independent and free as her. And so there's this sort of very complex and contradictory thing about her that lets us connect with her really strongly, I think. I, I would um, agree, definitely. Yeah. I was also yeah. going to say that, um, like, you brought up the point of isolation that you see her, like, she's sad on a rock, brushing her hair, is very isolated. Um, and then what I liked about seeing some of the people in your film is that you saw that even though the mythology of the character or of the archetype is isolated, the fact that people love them brought people together. So all of a sudden there was community and there was connection um, out of of being drawn to something that was solitary um, and maybe sad. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's just so nice to see how much people love mermaids and how like they bring them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like for world, sure. world peace through mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, so, did you get into? So, since you've made the film, um, have has there been any? You're in Canada, so is there? Are there like Canadian mermaids? Is there any resurgence there? Have you noticed anything? Um, or has anybody come out of the woodwork? Ah. Uh, 
Well, there is, there are Canadian mermaids. It's definitely not as big up here as it is in the States. And I mean, we're a much smaller country, so maybe that's part of it. Um, we, we have a pretty famous Canadian mermaid named Raina, the Halifax mermaid. Oh, so yeah, she, I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would say that she's by far our most popular mermaid in Canada. Mm-hmm. And she's awesome. And we got to meet her at Murfest as well. And in fact, this past weekend, Caitlin and I went to the Atlantic Film Festival in Halifax and showed the film there. And so we got to show it to her. She and her boyfriend came and watched it in the theater and really liked it. Um, so yeah, uh, there's Raina. Um, we also have a whole set of mermaid schools here that started in Montreal, and now there's one in Toronto. And so that company exists, but. I just don't know that the community is as wide mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just so curious to see how it develops if it, you know, picks up globally. Um, Cause I've seen a lot of stuff in the Philippines and obviously there's a lot of stuff in the States. Um, but I'm like, where, what are all the mermaids like in each, you know, each country? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of stuff in Europe, too. Like, mm-hmm. I used to have Mermaid in my Google Alerts, and I had to turn it off because I was getting so <laughs> many emails. But, um, like, schools opening up in Germany and a lot in the U.K. and Spain and, yeah, Philippines for sure. Um, I even heard about this mermaid competition that happens once a year, and I don't... Did you hear about it? Is yeah, Miss, like a- Miss Mermaid USA and Miss Mermaid International or something. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I, I was totally trying to lurk on the internet and find them. And it's a little hard to tell what's going on. So I also, because <laughs> I was like, can yeah. I interview them? And I was like, I can't tell what's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there is a lot. Um, let's see. I had a couple more questions for you. Um, oh, one, one thing that I also enjoyed about the film is... You, you said sometimes people ask you, like, oh, who are these people? Are they crazy? And then the other question about mermaids is, are they real? Um, mm. And, you know, I love that you've had a couple of kids come through the film and, um, you know, they're so interested. And, like, the, with Rachel, she's at a party and the kids want to touch the tail yeah. and, and all of that. Um, and then you also had, in, in the section of Jules, there's a makeup artist um, who has a, a kid who's transitioning. And, and yeah. they were like, oh, is it real? It's not real. But you could see that they wanted to believe. Um, and I love, yeah. like, it seems like from the film, like there was this feeling of if you put on a tail and believe, then it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's true. And I kind of do believe that anyone who thinks they're a mermaid is a mermaid. Like, without sounding crazy, I, I think also that a lot of women, whether or not they know it, (laughs) whether or not they wear a tail, I think a lot of women are mermaids and men too, definitely. But I think it's something that I will venture to say that it's something that I think more women connect with than men as a general rule. And I, um, while I was making the film, I actually read this book by this Italian academic named Mary Lau um, M-E-R-I. Um, and she wrote this book called, um, the, oh, oh God, what's it called? Hang on. I'm totally having a mind blank right now. It's like the secret power of women. Uh, it's like seduction and the secret power of women. And it tells the, the history of the, of sirens and mermaids. And it's sort of this academic book, but it's very poetic. And I was just won over by her because she basically argues that 
the mermaid for so long has symbolized this like voicelessness that a lot of women experience. Um, but also all the power, like all the ancient, you know, like back well before Christianity and Judaism and everything, when, when women were goddesses and, and revered as much as men, like there's like this power there that goes back very, very deep, um, in our history that the mermaid kind of continues. Um, so I was won over by her book, and I feel like everyone should read it. I love it. That sounds amazing. I'll definitely link to it on, the, on our blog post because I'm like going to go Amazon that right away. Um. Yeah. I, I wanted to go interview her. I did a Skype interview with her, although she doesn't speak Eng- or she didn't speak English. So I had a friend of mine who spoke Spanish because she speaks Italian, Spanish, and French, okay. and I was like, I don't speak any of those things. <laughs> And we did this Skype interview, and she was amazing. And I, I really, really wanted to one day go interview her in person. But unfortunately, just a couple of weeks ago, she passed away. Which is, oh, no. She was like 88 or something, though. Yeah. But I, it was sad news. Okay. She was well, such I'm such well, we will have her legacy live on by spreading the word of this amazing yes. book. Yes. <laughs> and that brings up another point is mermaids live forever, in a way. That's true. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, There's. There's more about it. So that's another <laughs> pro of being a mermaid is immortality. Yeah. Right. All right. So you have, you've made the film, you're showing it, you're, you're hoping for um, a deal, you know, with someone in the U S and um, to keep screening it. But ultimately, what do you hope comes out of this film? Huh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, I when people watch the film, I just hope that they also feel empowered in their own personal lives, even if they never thought about putting it on a tail, even if they never will put on a tail. I just hope that the power of the experience of wearing a tail for the women who are featured in the film um, can translate for an audience member, uh, no matter like what walk of life they come from, into their own lives. And... For me, the film was always really about women and women's issues, and I think of it as a feminist film. And it's funny because we did meet a ton of amazing, like, well-spoken, hilarious, awesome mermen on the way. Um, and and we started promoting film on Facebook and stuff like people seeing the trailer. This from saying that why did feature any men and, and they often get left by the sidelines in this community and I feel sorry for that because of course I would have loved to tell their stories too but explaining that like that just has to be another film because for me the film really was about women like it's called mermaids but it's about women and, and the issues that we're talking about in the film are I think women's issues and so I hope I just I hope that um people walk away feeling empowered and also just I don't know especially especially women of different ages and backgrounds I just hope that they feel a connection uh the women that are featured in the film a lot of them don't look like Daryl Hannah they don't look like a Barbie doll version of a mermaid and I think that maybe some audiences might be surprised by that when they see that the title of the film is mermaids and then they walk into the theater but it was really important for me, too, to portray these women on screen in a way where they're just as 
beautiful and free and all of the things that that they feel when they put on their tail and to have audiences look at them and say like they're gorgeous you know and I want that feeling yeah that was that was a big goal of the film as well well you totally achieved it good job (laughs) they all they all look wonderful and seem amazing and again it's like the power of the tail it just it makes you like like transcend what you are you know or maybe not even transcend like it just seems to bring out what's there and maybe hidden um which which is i think you know the power of the mermaid is that she is um she she is like a you know rising from the deep um and like surfacing you know in like a magical way um so all right so just like one more question. Um, so you in filming all of these mermaids, you know, a lot of people come to this podcast and they're kind of just interested in getting started with mermaiding or anything. So is there any mermaid? Is there a, I guess it's two questions, but is there any favorite moment of filming that where you were like, this is how like you really be a mermaid? Um, you know, like, like where you were like, Oh, this is like the tip that I would give. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, just in terms of, like, how to be a mermaid, how yeah, to do how it. Yeah, how to do it or where you realize, you know, um, like, so, for instance, for me at, we- at Weeki Wachi, I realized, like, the women are so graceful in the water. And I realized that it's not just, like, swimming and holding your breath, but it was, like, feeling the water and their yeah. movements, you know? So yeah. was there anything in filming where you were like, oh, that's what, like, that's when they're the mermaid or that's how they did it? I don't know. Huh. Okay. That's good. Well, I think your advice is really good about just picturing yourself as this graceful, like just letting go. And I think that's huge. I mean, in order to actually swim in a mermaid tail, well, you have to really get pretty good at dolphin kick. And it's such a, it's like a pretty sexy way of swimming. And, um, I think there's a lot to be said for just like being really free and trying hard to let go of your inhibitions and just like let your body move with the water. Um, but I don't know. I mean, to be honest, like I personally only got in a tail maybe two times throughout making this movie. So I still have a lot to learn in terms of how to be a good mermaid. (laughs) Did you get to, so when you were, where, where did you get in the water in a tail? Okay. So the time I got in the tail was at Mervet and I actually borrowed Barbara Wynn's tail. She's a former Wikiwachi mermaid as well. And her tail, it's a, it was like a fabric mer tailor tail. And she let me borrow it. She was like, you have to try this. If you're making a film about it and you haven't worn a tail, you have to put it on. So I just went to the pool with Caitlin and I tried on the tail and just swam around in the pool. And that was really nice. You said you were in Hawaii and you were going to get in the tail for underwater filming. Okay, so um, we wanted to do some underwater and, and Abby and Ren Roberts let us borrow their personal tails, the twins from Kinfolk. Uh, so it was a huge honor as well, me and Caitlin wearing their personal tails in the ocean in Hawaii. That was incredible. Although Caitlin is, Caitlin is sort of in size, but I'm a lot taller, and so it was like really, really difficult to get that tail on. <laughs> Yeah, you have to kind of have your own tail. <laughs> you tell the people how they can find the film and um, and how they can find you um, so they can keep track of you. Totally. 
Okay, okay. So if you follow us on social media, we're going to be making announcements there when the film gets released in the U.S. Okay. So you can find us on Facebook. It's just Mermaid Documentary, I believe. We also yeah. have a website, which is just www.mermaidsdocumentary.com, and we link to all of our social media there. You can follow us on Instagram, which is mermaids underscore the underscore doc. Mm-hmm. And then you can find us on Twitter, too. So just follow us. Awesome. I will make sure that we have all those links um, at mermaidpodcast.com so everybody can get them. Um, okay. And, yeah, I think I think that's that's it. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for listening to the Mermaid Podcast. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, Allie Weinstein will be screening this film at the Buffalo Film Festival on October 6th. We'll have a link to it in the show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. More photos and information about the Mermaid documentary, including where to find it online and how to watch it in Canada, can be found in the show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. If you like what you've heard, we hope you will share this episode on social media. And if you really loved it, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Mermaids love reviews. And if you join our mailing list at mermaidpodcast.com, you can get special behind-the-scenes information and a heads-up when we have new episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Mermaid Podcast. And if you know a mermaid or mermaid expert we should interview, you can fill out a Google form linked also in the show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you have had a close encounter with a real mermaid, we would love to include it in our Halloween episode. All you have to do is email your story to podcast at cinderly.com or you can leave us a voicemail at the phone number listed in the show description for this episode. That's all for this week. We will see you back in two weeks with more Cool Mermaids. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.